0: Welcome to another edition of Talk So Real with Matt Sonzala. I am Matt Sonzala, and this is the podcast in which I talk to my friends. And man, I got an old one here today. I always say that I call all my guests old. Sorry, not just you. I'm always like my old, old, old friend, because we're all up there, man. We're getting there, man. We're we're younger than our parents were at this age, I think. I think we're a better generation, a different generation, man. But we're still here. We're still kicking it. We got a lot to talk about. I got my man, Robert Gabriel, in the house. What's up, y'all? What's up, man? Appreciate you coming by. I was, I was uh, talking to you about how this podcast works, and it's, um, it's not the most well-oiled machine. It's just like, you want to come on the podcast? Let's go. Come over. Just make it happen. Let's kick it. Let's do it. Man, we have had a lot of parallel things throughout our lives, and I believe that probably started in the early 90s.
1: Yeah, I remember how uh, I found out about you. Um, you do? was through uh, Lachlan from 4080 magazine in yeah. Berkeley. You both I I was going to start with I know we both
0: wrote for a 4080 magazine back in the day.
1: Yeah, uh I had written an article or two and uh I was talking to him on the phone and uh he said there's a guy that also writes for us. His name's Matt. He's in uh he's in Austin now. You should uh you should go find him.
0: Hmm. So that so would have had to be 95.
1: It's when you were with uh Sector 2, I think.
0: Dang, I felt like I met you before that, but no, yeah, 95 makes sense, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, the uh, The article I wrote for them was uh, on The Good Life, so that was in 94. Mm-hmm. I was there that summer in L.A., and forty thousand or 40, uh, 4080. 80, 4080 was a great <laughs> magazine at yeah. that time, and uh, I later moved out there, and uh, I thought, you know, they seemed like big shot magazine guys. I thought I was going to just move there and they were going to give me a job. (laughs) And you went to Lachlan's house.
0: (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah, man.
1: I I was country too. I I interviewed with him and uh, Eric Arnold and they didn't have a job. You know, Mm -hmm. I I just kind of forced the interview. Um, and they asked me where I was living and I like moved in the day before or something, but coming from Texas in the South, uh, I said, I got a place over on Shawtuck.
0: <laughs> Which is where 48. <laughs> right was. in
1: Berkeley. Yeah, it was right down the street, but it's, it's Shattuck. Yeah. They, they did a double take. Like, what'd you say? Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, uh, Shawtuck. That's Man. how I see it. It's, you know, it's S-H-A-T-T-U-C-K. Yep. Um, So they got a kick out of that. Man,
0: 4080 was a great time. I don't think I got any money from them either. It was just a thing to do. I mean, make, you know, we wanted to cover our people and wanted to get an in, and it was a really cool magazine. And I became pretty good friends with Lachlan back then. Um, and I, excuse me, I'm trying to think of how I met Lachlan. I used to just send clips to everybody. Mm-hmm. And in 94, I know when I met him in person was at the New Music Seminar in 94. And I was there with the guys from Rap Sheet, with Daryl okay. Johnson.
1: That sounds right.
0: Wait, no, Billy Johnson Jr. is actually coming to Austin this month, by the way, next week to speak at something. It wasn't there, it was Daryl, whatever. Anyways, um, and I was there with them, and I remember Lachlan coming up to our booth and just talking to me, and I ended up hanging out with him, and I think that's how I started writing with Forty Eighty. Because I was in New York at the time, but uh, yeah, those were those were fun days. And then I just went to a record show here, and Greg Joya was there from Forty Eighty. Okay, I've seen
1: him at the. I record know. Shows. I
0: saw when I followed him online. I saw that you were too. Those we're all record heads. Yep. And I bought original concept album off him because I haven't had that since I was young. Nice. And the Wee Papa Girls because okay. I, I found a Wee Papa Girls forty five in the streets in London. At a little like a little like flea market type thing in London, yeah, and it jarred my memory, and I just got it for the for that.
1: Yeah, the but, prices on those records have uh, skyrocketed. Yeah, he was telling me at the uh, little tap room thing, uh, at the Brutorium? he sold a copy of Illmatic, an uh, original copy. I was like, yeah, I got one of those at home, four hundred dollars. <laughs>
0: I'm gonna say this, no disrespect, Greg. I love you and I love records, but. I I bought these records and remembered why I bought Rap on Tape. Uh, they weren't, you know, I mean, a lot of those records had so much on them, they had to be doubles. They weren't doubles, usually, and they weren't pressed all that well.
1: Yeah, the LPs? I don't the LPs, I, I no. like the 12 inches
0: better. Of course. No, the singles, hip-hop 12 inches are cool, man. But, like, a, you know, there's no point. And also the Sonic, you know, once it went more to computers and things like that, it, was, it sounded better, I'm not I I like vinyl better in general please but if it wasn't mastered like perfectly for vinyl it mm-hmm. wasn't great.
1: I like the uh function of vinyl more so like I find that I have my records more to DJ and play for other people than I do even to listen to them at home cuz I'm fine listening to streaming or CD in my car or whatever like it mm-hmm. you know, whatever is easiest is fine when I'm listening to it but I have the records so I can play them for other people basically.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I really yeah. um I like the vibrations of vinyl like in the living room. I I have a really old receiver, like a Pioneer older receiver that um it it's like there's ghosts inside of it. Sometimes it sounds amazing and sometimes it just like one side only works and there's nothing it it then the next time it all works. It doesn't make any sense. It's a very strange machine, but I do love like the way vinyl resonates a lot. And I like the hiss of a tape. Yeah. I like analog life, analog lifestyle is what I want. Yep, As we record to an SD card. Um, but no, those days, 95 in Austin, uh, you sent me some like old school stuff you have on your YouTube of like Hakim Allah freestyling. Was that over one of your beats or were you DJing and he was freestyling or,
1: um, I was mixing things together, like okay. it's a it's a roots beat with like yep. Eric Dolphy playing flute. I think I threw right that on everything. It seems like back then, and uh, I don't know someone else. There's some horn in there. Yep. so I think it was three different things that were mixed together, and then he just rapped through the whole thing. He did like three, four verses, man, all yeah. freestyle.
0: for real. And Hakim Allah, back in the day, he was a Socai, and then X Factor with, and it was, those were both with Trey Trey God. Yep. And Saka had Jason Craze and Spencer, which was
1: Spencer was Soup, yeah. Or, DJ, yeah DJ Soup, yeah. He gets left out a lot when people I talk know. about foundation DJs. Yeah, um, and I've
0: seen him in the last ten years, and I've seen him online and stuff. But DJ, but the only reason I asked was he Soup because I know he wasn't snotty, right? And then there was Snoop, Snoopy, Snoopy, yeah, and Soup. So yeah, it does get confusing.
1: It is. An X Man. An X Man, Xavier.
0: And randomly we you brought over some Austin Beerworks beer. If y'all we all are looking for sponsors, you brought over some Austin Beerworks beer and it might have been the last time I went to Austin Beerworks just showed up and Xavier and Nick Knack and, and then were and Vanya and all and the kids and stuff yeah. were there. Cool. Random.
1: Yeah. I hadn't seen them in forever. Yeah, Nick popped on the scene about that time. He was mm-hmm. at U T and he would hang out yep. at the radio station. For sure. Those were fun times.
0: The so, you also sent me a theme song for Underground Inflections, the show that was on KBRX, Yo. and that was Brian Patrick. And you, when I came up, yeah, I would <laughs> I would co-host with him when I came up and stuff, and just well, yeah, no, I was living here in '95. That's right.
1: Damn. I think when we did that, it was it was just his show, and you were a guest. But then, yeah, it seemed like you were up a lot.
0: Well, if I came up from Houston, which was kind of a lot on the weekends, you know, I'd, Austin was just. Nirvana for um, that period of time. If you lived in like crazy city and you could come down here and really just chill and it was so cheap and yeah, Yeah. go to the radio station and then go to wherever, you know, it was, it was nice, man. And Brian, uh, you know, I love radio anyway. I love real good radio anyway. And I met Brian through Texas beat magazine, same as like with Lachlan telling you about me, uh, Keith Ayers at Texas beat said, I got this guy, Brian Patrick writing about hip hop for me too. You guys should meet. Oh, he does radio too. And we met, And became friends, and it was real cool. It was fun to just always, just fun to hang out at a radio station, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, he did a good show, too. Um, And it set it off for the next one. House of Five Beats came up after them, yep, and they really turned it up.
0: They definitely did, man. I remember, um, like, Brian wasn't happy. He graduated, and they put it on to, you know, Les and Carrie and a whole new group of people. And um, he wasn't real happy about that, but I was kind of like, Hey man, like, let the young. You know, this is how it is. You know, and a horrible story about Brian Patrick that I'm going to tell on here. So maybe I can rectify things because I didn't rectify anything at all. But oh, no. <laughs> the group sociopath left Arvin and you know Jack Feen and Crop Diggy. May he rest in peace. And Spinner tea, of course. You know, we lived in New York together in like '94, mm-hmm. and Brian came up to nine, New York around then too and stayed with us. And while he got his stuff together. And we're all good friends and all this. And uh, Jack Fiend, real name Arvin, who I haven't talked to in years. Basically, one night, Chris, they were just laughing, like smoking weed, laughing in my face. And they were like, Chris was like, man, this fool Arvin was talking to me. We, we, just, we just saw Brian Patrick. And I was like, oh, how's Brian? Man, I think they went to New York after, after we had all lived there. Mm-hmm. It was maybe 96. I'm like, how's he doing? And he's like. Man, Arvin sat down and just told him how much you hate him, and he used to say all this shit about him. And, oh, no. and he got so mad, and he's like, I was just smoking. I was like, man, what you talking about? And Arvin's like, no, man, Matt, man, he did this, He said this, he said that. And that's Arvin's shit. Jeez. Just stirring the pot on anything. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I tried to call him, like, hey, man, and then he just didn't answer. And I was like, whatever, man, I can't deal with this. I don't know what this – I mean, if you believe Arvin. But uh, – I feel bad. So if he happens to listen to this, I never did say that, and I would love to talk to you. Come on the podcast, Brian. Come on, Brian. Yeah, those bio, were the Bio-funk. Bio, that's right. Damn. Yeah. He makes films and things.
1: Yeah, as good for Yeah. Yeah, another guy from back then was, uh, did you go to the Sound Exchange? Of course. You, you went. Damn.
0: No, no, oh, no, no. I went to Sound Exchange back in the day. I did not no, go to, not the not the to the reunion thing. No, okay, but yeah, I actually yeah. saw... Um, a friend of mine was on on Instagram, and I said, "It was DJ Dare there, right, James?" That's and he I'm was like, "No, talking about James." Yeah, DJ Dare James. Yep, he was making dope mixtapes and getting all the like the hip hop and the mixtapes and stuff in the sound exchange.
1: Yeah, yeah. like
0: my tie or whatever, <laughs> whatever. The condo with the Daniel Johnston mural.
1: He was a really good technical DJ, mm-hmm. and uh, he could DJ parties too. Oh yeah. I, saw him do like a black frat party at uh, the Texas union one time. And I remember he, the whole thing was great. You know, he played atomic dog at the right time, all the right stuff. But the one song I remember where everyone was just staring at him was he played that uh Suzanne Vega song, uh, Tom's diner. That really? Do, 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 yeah. You know, that song. Um, and it just stopped the party completely. Damn. <laughs> uh, but every he recovered. He was fine. That's good. After that. But I always remember I was like, I'm gonna go uh, break that record when I get home.
0: <laughs> oh man, <laughs> damn, man, yeah, those were crazy. Those were fun times, man. That was a, uh, and we brought the hip hop coffee shop to Rudemaya here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That and was I great. I first met Babu, and uh, had had I had had uh, Sakai and Heads and Dreads from Dallas and Houston a couple times before that.
1: You had me DJ That's one fun. time for like a little. Uh, I'd put out, like, a Breaks mix, and I came and did, like, a part of it live. He's kind of weird. Keep
0: talking, <laughs> keep talking. Hold on, hold on, keep
1: talking. I was going to say, uh, I first heard Bavu on the radio shows. I, I, it might have been Nick's show, and he would have uh, people either call in to freestyle or come in. I don't know, but I thought it was on the phone. Oh, wow. Um. <laughs> I just pulled out an old mixtape of mine. Spontaneous combustion. R two G two. I would sell these at a sound exchange. Yeah, they would let me put up little displays on the counter, and I would make these little
0: cool. My tape rack. I got it my rack. He's showing me his
1: tapes right now. Yes, this chaotic tape. The yellow chaotic tape. Legend. You got that. I recorded this from you back then. Damn. And then I reviewed it for Herb Magazine. Oh man. Yeah, I had a column in Herb that covered Austin music. Man. Like a monthly column. That is crazy. That would have been like 95, probably that same time.
0: Um, People don't know, man. We've been trying a long time. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that was a a pivotal year for me for sure, Mm -hmm. man, hanging out.
1: Oh, it was fun. There were lots of shows that came through that were great, you know. Tons. Yeah,
0: Blondies. I ended up living with some of the MBK guys at one point.
1: The big one I remember being The Roots at a Catfish Station. Oh, man, which yeah. Which I missed. That was killer. I missed that because I went to New Orleans for Jazz Fest.
0: Oh, man. No, that was, that was big.
1: Yeah. They came back and did the Union Ballroom. Right. Like a year or two later. I saw that one. That was amazing as well. But, yeah, I always regret missing the Catfish Station one.
0: Man, that was a hell of a night. And the uh, Black Moon and Smith and & Wesson show there was crazy, too.
1: Yep. They did one at a... Uh, the club was called Kilimanjaro, right? I think. Yep, yep. Like on Red River.
0: I remember. It's like Beer
1: Land or something now.
0: That is crazy. I actually saw Roy Ayers at Catfish Station once. Whoa. And yesterday I met Roy Ayers' son. Wow. He has a book, and he was at Lolo Wine Bar.
1: Yeah. I don't know if I've seen... I, I might have seen them at Jazz Fest that same weekend, actually. Maybe. I did. I did. This was back a long time ago. Man. I tried to see the Roots in New Orleans. They were with uh, the Beastie Boys and John Spencer Blues. John Spencer Blues
0: Explosion. Yep, that was 95.
1: And we were convinced that we didn't even know why John Spencer was on the bill because we didn't really know anything about them. Mm -hmm. So we figured it would be the order, John Spencer, the Roots, Beastie Boys. So we we came a little late because we were at the fest that day. So we you know waited as long as we could, and then we went over to the auditorium. And uh, Spencer John Spencer was just finishing up, and we're like, "All right, we're here for the Roots." So we didn't really care about the Beastie Boys either. We just wanted to see the Roots. And uh, the Beastie Boys came out, and it just mm. like destroyed us. You know, we were all amped up, got Man. over it. But
0: I wonder if they switched it's night kind after of a night. Host. Because I don't know really, because I don't remember who went first. Because I saw him at the summit in Houston that year. And I remember expecting, I was like, because I, I had seen John Spencer Blues Explosion a few times in like emos and small clubs in Houston and stuff. And I loved that music. I had no idea how something like that was going to go off in like an arena sized place. And then I was like, the roots, oh, they're going to kill. It's going to be amazing to see him in a big place. And honestly, John Spencer had the theremin and this crazy, just loud, explosive show, and it was wild. And then the Roots were a little too reserved. Mm. It, they're a great, man. I love the Roots, but it was a little more like. First of all, back in that era, I always make kind of make fun of like there was the first record was amazing, and they're they're amazing, but there was a time when it was all like do 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 like got like so really minimalist, mellow, yeah yeah. And it didn't really go over that well at like a crazy Beastie Boy show, you know.
1: Yeah, not the same. No. If it's their own crowd, they're the headliner. You know yeah. the Union Ballroom, when I remember distinctly him doing cool G rap um lyrics. Yeah. And just wanting him to do that all night. Yeah. You know. I saw
0: them last year at Afropunk and that was a big stage and Big Bad they were they were festival they were killer killer like that show was dope I, and I went in there kind of like yeah, I'm excited I love the roots you know they're cool I wasn't like freaking out like I gotta see the roots and I saw I was like damn man they
1: killed you yeah yeah, yeah I saw them later at a shoreline in California uh, it was supposed to be Wu-Tang wow oh with, with Rage Against the Machine yeah so it was the roots and Rage Against the Machine
0: not, not too shabby I heard some intel on that tour I probably shouldn't get into it, but they, Wu-Tang was removed from that tour. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I remember that.
0: Yeah, man. And that was fucked. Cause there was even a Rolling Stone cover with Zach and Rizzo on it. And that was like a big deal that mm-hmm. Raging Against the Machine and Wu-Tang were going on tour. Well,
1: yeah. When I bought the tickets, it was Wu-Tang. Yeah. I was fine with this. Well, yeah. I had seen the roots before, so I wanted to see Wu-Tang, but it was yeah. a good consolation.
0: Oh yeah. Oh Yeah.
1: Well, another I got another one that yeah. is funny. An arena show I missed was uh, DJ Mel set me and Jules up to uh, interview the Far Side when they came with uh, Three Eleven and Cypress Hill. I think it was.
0: Oh, that was a, like one of the first Smoker type tours or something yeah. they called yeah, it. Yeah.
1: yeah, it was at the old uh, God. What's that place called? Was that at the backyard? No. It's the one that was around the corner from La Zona Rosa. Uh, the music hall? Yeah. That Oof. One. Yeah, that's yeah, that's gone. That's one. But uh, we went on the Far Side's tour bus with him and hung. We didn't. I didn't have an interview lined up. Mm-hmm. Like Mel just called me. He was like, hey, you want to interview? I called Raul at the uh, Chronicle. I was like, hey, I can interview the Far Side. Do you want to run something? He's like, no. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to interview him anyway just in case. But we went. It was funny because we really just smoked with them, and I remember Armani at the end of it. He was like, "Hey, y'all don't have a tape recorder or anything." And I was just like, "Nah, I got it in my head. You know, I'm good." Uh, but we were. It was a cool meeting with them, and so we had to go home, and we came back, and same kind of deal. We thought they were about to go on. Three Eleven ended. Cypress Hill was about to come on for real. Instead of we thought the Far Side mm-hmm. and. Like, no lie, like two minutes after we realized we missed him, Amani walks right up to us and he's like, hey, what'd you think of the show? And we have to tell him, like, oh, we missed it. Damn. <laughs> damn, 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 He was not happy.
0: <laughs> That's crazy, man. But I don't like, I now I'm older, I want shows to be more earlier, but I used to hate when you go to a show and it'd be the openers so early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you never fast. knew, no. you could never gauge, you know. There wasn't an, an Instagram to put set times and all that.
1: I'm an early person and it was, I found that out quick going to shows. Like I hated being there three hours early or two hours early. So I would start, you know, being the late guy. Mm-hmm. But then I started missing stuff. But, yeah. Oh, well.
0: <laughs> I do remember all that, those days. The Farsight are coming November 11th to yeah. the Esperanza Project, playing with Brownout, backing them live here in Austin.
1: That's interesting with Brown, huh? Yeah.
0: Should be cool. Wow.
1: Yeah. That sounds enticing. Yes.
0: I'm going to see what's up with that. We'll be back November 11th. Um, well, man, besides uh, 1995, you have always been here, you know, even in California and engaged with a lot of that stuff. But here in Austin, you're definitely one of the people, if I had a question about Austin hip hop, you're somebody I would ask. Like, you're definitely... I feel like I know a bunch, but you have always been more thorough in your coverage and just knowing what was going on here in Austin early on. And I also noticed you stay out of, like, Facebook arguments and things that people get into when they're – and I just read them since I'm like, you're so wrong. (laughs) Whatever. I'm
1: I'm done with all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, it was when I came back from – the West coast. I lived in California for five years and then went to Oregon for a year from here. Mm -hmm. I've been here eight. So spent six out there and then came back in 2003 and, uh, started writing for the Chronicle again for a second stint. And, you know, I wanted to cover Austin hip hop. Like I was, you know, like you've been, uh, you've always done it where you're trying to bring up a scene Mm -hmm. from the bottom. Um, and not that it was at the bottom, but I was like, Someone needs to document yeah, this. No one's do really it. done it. So I just did the, the research and the homework and talked to everybody I could and tried to get it down right. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was always adding to it. Like I remember I did a discography at one point, like all the vinyl, the mm-hmm. rap vinyl that came out of Austin. It was in the chronicle. And it it would bug me because months after I'd figure out another right. record that I didn't you know, find out about when I was researching, you know, and I wanted to add to it, but it was too late, you know, at that point. Um, But yeah, there was a lot going on here. Um, I mean, it's a music city and it's always
0: been a music city and it's always had a chip on its shoulder to an extent to where that chip blocked some of the information that could have been put out there. Like people forget that Run DMC was in the parking lot of KZI. You know, people forget, you know, all if, kinds. They of filmed the uh,
1: the first Yo MTV Raps here yes. at the Expo Center. That's right. See, yeah, on the Fresh Fest tour, I think it was, mm-hmm. it was like Public Enemy and Run DMC and EPMD and MC Light, I think. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. there was all
0: kinds of stuff happening here. I mean, with the number of clubs and the number of venues, and what the East Side used to be, especially, which was a little different. It was more, you know, there were there were venues, there were juke joints, there were all kinds of
1: things going on in 96 I brought Sophia here I I promoted that was 96 right and uh, it was really interesting because when he got here we were like have you ever been to Austin before and he was like yeah I came with digital underground me and Tupac were dancing dancing at a club called underground I think it was right on 6th street though I kind of forget club names but uh he was like yeah we walked past it he was like yep it was right in there I didn't even rap that night or something, you know, wow. I was just dancing. And uh, who know, Who knew that Tupac did a show on 6th Street, you know?
0: Rest in peace, Shock G. It's a digital Tupac. underground. Yeah. But yeah. Money B is uh, still doing digital underground shows with a, a different Humpty. Yeah, I could see it. I saw the pictures and I was like, oh my God. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. There's way worse stories in, in the music. Biz. His
1: group uh Raw Fusion, they weren't horrible.
0: I liked Raw Fusion. I mean, they're both they're legends. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. The uh but the history here was like, you know, <clears throat> of course I was freaked out when I saw and I didn't I need to get it, man. I just I can't, you know, buying them German records it's too much. I man. but there's a double LP of the project crew
1: that's oh, a yeah, label yeah. in Germany I put up. I
0: saw that, you know, and the project crew to me, I don't know who was the first in Austin ever, but like they were early. Teddy Lee, these guys, they were pretty early in the scene and
1: they put out two singles. Yep. um, And the first one was more the regional hit army man. Army man. That's what it's called. And then I'm not a big fan of the song. I, I feel like there's a better song on that record. But then they put out a second one, and I don't know that it really went too far. It's the one where they're kind of dressed up yep. at the
0: height. That's where you see, that's the one you see if you see a Project Crew record, it's that
1: one. But that one, for some reason, I've seen it sell for hundreds of dollars, mm-hmm. whereas the uh, first one is like a $20 record or something. Damn. And I don't really know why, you know, maybe it's just more rare, but... I have a feeling that those Germans caught wind, like, oh, you know, someone paid $200 for this 12-inch. Like, mm-hmm. Let's see if we can put out an album, and they they did it.
0: You know? Man, it's hard to explain what people around the world <laughs> gravitate to, because my friend Shu over in uh, Japan comes over and buys everything. He wants all the CDs and tapes of every underground anything ever, and he actually asked me about... I feel like I might have texted it to you because I don't know anybody else who to ask, but there was, it was, I don't even remember what it is off the top of my head right now, but he gave me, he showed me a cover (laughs) that he had found. He's like, I'm looking for this CD. It's from Austin. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. I asked like brother K and some people who were around back then, we all nerded out, had all the tapes and everything. Mm -hmm. No one answered. No, everybody's like, I don't know what that is. I think I sent it to you. Actually, I actually might have. I don't remember. It would have been six months to a year ago. I don't know who I was. I don't know. I sent it out to a few people like, have you ever heard of this? No. Nobody's ever even heard of it. Yeah, some, dude dude in Japan, no. some dude in Japan knows about some Austin rap thing that I never heard of ever. Then those Germans, like, man, the, the, some of the stuff, that you, you know, this guy in Japan brought PKO over. He just brought Coop MC from Fort Worth over. All right. And he's brought, like, Less and Bun and Little Kiki and stuff like that. He does some cool stuff, but it's like underground pko went to japan in the last like four years or three years yeah from san antonio. san antonio
1: yeah yeah it's crazy um it's crazy the uh i have one of the one of their rec. is it a group or just a there's guy? a group yeah, yeah, yeah. nino old school yeah a song called old school it's early
0: really to mid work. 90s and uh, i have two of their tapes for sure uh but man it's crazy what they gravitate to and what they find like like the project crew. I'm like, who how many people in Austin have that album? Yeah. You know?
1: Well, yeah, it's kinda pricey and you gotta know about it. I've only seen it on discogs. I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, I really. mean
0: the order from Germany is a clean seventy bucks with postage at least. Yeah. Yeah. You know.
1: Who, who is this for?
0: Right. And it's collectors. It is what it is. And I think it's cool that it's out there. I need to get it. Actually, just it's some, one of those things it's kinda like you kinda have to have it sort of, but I'd like to see it in a store in Germany. No, dude, I was in London. This guy has two CDs of just Def Jam Blaster outtakes from Houston. Crazy. And I just saw this and I was and my Rob Percy I think posted it up and I was like, "Uh, how can I get this without paying, you know, $30 posted on a CD? I'm not paying extra money for a digital CD." Right. Burn you it. You know.
1: Burn it for me.
0: I mean, I would buy it at the store for <laughs> 20. I'm not paying 40, 50 bucks for a CD. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way, but I want it. And it's just crazy that these things just come out. And because I was in London when I saw this, I was like, do you think any store here would have it? He's like, no, they don't. He's like, That's, he just mails them.
1: Yeah. I was like, damn, man. Yeah. I think my favorite Austin record from the early years is uh, Candy Fresh with that uh, Get Busy. Yep. And there's a second mix of it. There, There's two records that came out the original mix and then uh fresh kid ice from 2 live Two yeah he was involved all along but i think they polished it up a little for that second one and it just kicks like it, it translates to today
0: damn know. i know about that and i know uh i assume baby luke was behind that too stanley i would imagine yeah cuz i remember his record store and uh my earliest hip hop memory here is andre walker talking to me about South by and bringing a uh, sociopath left to Houston to the radio show mm-hmm. and asking me that if I could help get him some artists for South by 93, no, 94, 95 and 96. So I probably met him and definitely met him in 93. And when I came up here with Andre, like the first place we went was Casanova's place. He had like the studio in his kitchen yep. and I got to meet him and I knew who he was because I had seen a show that he DJ'd and it was Cooley Girls, Nodos from Houston, which is Def Jam Blaster, mm-hmm. and uh Bad Mother Goose. Okay.
1: Yeah, I and saw a lot of outside. Bad Mother Goose shows yeah. <laughs> in those
0: days. Yeah, Tim Kerr, I mean, needs to get recognition for everything he does. That dude, he That's had a him. hand in everything, man, for real. He did. And he supported everything, you know, like brilliant, brilliant dude. Uh, the history here is like, it's crazy. And like, I always talk about how when I came up here at first and went to hip hop shows, first of all, Austin had more live music venues than nightclubs still to this day. It's it's like that. But rap was not in the live music venues in Houston at the time. You went to the club, yeah. it didn't sound oh, great. Yeah. yeah, there's dance the clubs in, yeah. back,
1: in Houston back then. There were some up here, but yeah, in Houston it was serious business, and they would broadcast on the radio down yep. there a lot. I used to love that. Yeah, hear DJs cutting up two copies of the same record on the radio. Oh yeah, you know, has anyone in Austin ever done that? A <laughs> Little I, bit. Two Q's done a little, I think.
0: That Hot ninety three era was pretty good. Probably some Dinky D. There was a good Lover era time. on Hot ninety three, and then man, I listened Rapid to. Rick, yeah, it's
1: been on. Doing he was a on ninety
0: three. I listened to. Um, DJ slice on KZI during the day, sometimes right now. And his show is pretty cool. He mixes yeah, and talks good. and he's funny, good. man. He's, he's a good DJ um, and radio personality. So that's happening here. Right now KZI has gotten better. Yeah. There's some stuff on KZI and it's always, I've always loved going up there. Andre took me there. Andre Walker took me to KZI for the first time back in the early nineties. And it was always a center for a lot of things going on here
1: there and music mania was yeah, music big. mania yeah, yeah. man um, yeah i started through the campus radio station um, there was a guy named super james who had a rap show and when i got there i didn't have many of my own records at that point i had cds mm-hmm. and even limited but the rap section that they had the vinyl was amazing because they had all the promos. So they had all the diamond D Gangstar, show and a G mm-hmm. Dell, the funky homeless AB P rock and CL smooth, you know, all that early nineties stuff, just sitting there, red man, like all the records you'd want to play. Right. So that became like a little education for me was just playing those. And then I'd buy the CDs or I try to get the vinyl, but it was harder back then. Right. Um, and then started making mixtapes for friends. Cause I'd have, 12 inches that they didn't have and uh just got into it you know more and more started writing about it Mm -hmm. off of that um and it was really i'll give credit to uh basketball was really the the bridge for me because back then at ut there was a place called clark field yeah there still is now but it's completely different it was open to the public back then and they had four courts and uh it was known as one of the better pickup places in the state right. if not the whole you know south region or whatever um and there'd be college players out there ray jackson used to play out there albert Burdett, tony watson mm-hmm. from texas um and i talked to them and they told me about not them specifically but other guys out there mm-hmm. and they would told me about uh Catfish Station. Yep. So I'd go down there sometimes and Casanova would be DJing like on a Friday or Saturday night. And it was like the G-Funk era. There, oh, yeah. Which was, fu- it was a fun era. Super um, fun. So a lot of dancing, a lot of cutting out. And the only
0: black owned club on 6th Street at the time where it was a whole different world. Like 6th Street was more punk and weird. Austin yeah, with some douche bars too, but you had like crazy shows, like hip-hop, not hip-hop, like punk shows and weird local things and then there was this uh, it's, it's Vulcan Gas Company now. Yeah. But it was like this spot. It was like that's where the black music was being played and that's where the the party was happening, man. It was always and they'd they'd have shows from hip-hop, R&B, local. Yeah. Roy Ayers. And it, you know? it, it was
1: something really odd about that place, too, was that it was definitely a black club. It seemed like everyone there that worked there was black. But at some point, Matthew McConaughey, a white frat boy, <laughs> was a bartender there.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I always heard about him being at the Dallas nightclub, actually. I never heard about that. That's crazy. I've heard Catfish. I mean, it's been a while since he it's probably come did, up. yeah. I'm
1: pretty certain that's a reality. Man. A very strange one. Big ups Homer. The other club... That was going at the time was uh, Midtown. Midtown, uh, of course. I yeah. went for a while. Yeah. And then there were dance clubs.
0: Yep. Know, yep. Like the
1: freestyle clubs on Riverside or whatever.
0: Those know. were the days. <laughs> no. What was uh, the Hot Legs contest at? Um, oh, wow. I know the club. This is stupid for me. And I, I talk about this sometimes, and I'm having a brain freeze right now. It wasn't Rio, it was. There was a club reel at one point, but it was uh, it's right where, Backroom and where Emos and Come and Take It Live is, and it was, damn, it was the Hot Legs contest that was wow. so funny to go to in in Austin, man. Back
1: room would have rap shows sometimes. They oh had, yeah, they had Ice Cube. Oh Ice yeah. big time. And then uh, Desa
0: Hall. Oh yeah, on the northeast oh, side well, would have yeah. shows.
1: That's the, where the famous one was, where Screw
0: and everybody was there. Yeah. Too short and people like that were out there. Desa Hall was probably. They did a lot and was very under the radar because it was before the Chronicle would cover those sort of things. Like it wasn't even probably presented to the Chronicle in that sense, you know. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't know. I mean, maybe you'd hear it on KZI. Yeah.
1: yeah. Or you're in the community. Or through Music Mania. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love Music Mania because somebody would just sell all their promo CDs. Yeah. And so I'd go and pick up whoever was selling them. Pull them right out of the used bins. I, that's oh, where man. I got like Wu-Tang and Souls of Mischief and that whole era. Yeah, man. Black Moon.
0: I worked and at Music Mania was... for a bit. In... Maybe they were yours. No. no. <laughs> this was 98. I was there a little later.
1: Yeah, I remember that.
0: Yeah. And uh, that was like such a fun experience, man, like the in-stores and things we would do there.
1: Yeah. There was a cool scene, though, like I was saying, uh I guess to continue on, uh, Proteus was a club Proteus. where the foundation DJs were. That's set true. Up. And someone else too, uh, Trey Lopez was DJing back there doing uh, Acid Jazz, which was pretty close to hip-hop at the time. So we'd go to both nights. Um, but that's when I started seeing Romeo in that era.
0: Man, Acid Jazz and all that was a big part of that era, and it was fun and cool because... It was its own thing and not everybody knew about it. And that was like, uh, that was a great time. I liked it.
1: Me too. Yeah, because they were playing, you know, Donald Byrd and Roy Ayers and things like that along with the newer stuff, you know, Gray Boy. Man, I'm glad you brought that up. A lot of British stuff. Um, For real. When I was, I went to L.A. in 94 for that summer. I actually tried to move to Santa Barbara and it uh, didn't work out. But Mm -hmm. I spent the summer out there. And I was going, aside from going to The Good Life mm-hmm. In South Central I would go to a Marcus Wyatt's Club up in North Hollywood mm. well, It wasn't his club but he was the, the Main DJ Yep, It was called Luna And it was just acid jazz It was like acid jazz heaven you mm-hmm. know, like The pinnacle of it I saw MC Solar perform there One night well, The clubs out there were fun you know. Yeah. I had great fun at the Austin clubs but When I go to yeah. LA and go out there Whole different ball game.
0: I mean, I'd go, you no, know, down here was great. And in Houston was off the chain and stuff. When I go up to New York, and I'm like, oh, there's DJ Premier standing there smoking a blunt. Yeah. And there, wait, Souls of Mischief are standing with him. And there's, you know, Bobito. Like, yeah. What is going on? Everyone I want to see is here. And there's an acid jazz band in the corner. Like, what is this? <laughs> like, I used to love that. Um, that's amazing that you saw, got to experience a good life. I did not. And, That, to me, that music was some of the biggest game-changing music in hip-hop. At that time, it doesn't get the credit that it deserves as far as being a game-changer. And I I always say when I talk about my first hip-hop show on KPFT, like Strictly Hip-Hop Sundays back in the early 90s, I played, you know, K. Reno and Ghetto Boys and stuff sometimes, but I always tell people like our show was way more freestyle fellowship than it was mm-hmm. K. Reno. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that era, sorry, that shit was dope, mm-hmm. East Coast and West Coast, but that West Coast early '90s come up of just, I mean, like now all I listen to now practically is like weird jazz. Most people don't want to hear, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and that was a our weird jazz. Some people can't handle it. Like it was the craziest, most free, expressive. And beats were more. I like were so rappers rude. that can
1: do a range of music. Yep. You know? and Freestyle Fellowship, the first I heard of them was Inner City Griots, mm-hmm. that CD. And my favorite song on it was Six Tray yep. by Peace, which is like as a gangster rap, as long as you'll ever get. Mm-hmm. But then they had Inner City Boundaries and my, 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 my Mary. You know, yeah, the <laughs> jazzy ones too. <laughs> that was, man. Um, and, Mike and, and, Nine and playing I playing trumpet. I don't think it started with them. I think like Rakim is like that. Mm-hmm. Where he can sound gangster, he can sound like a jazzy guy. Right. You know, at a dinner party or something.
0: Well, I mean, there's definitely was a lot of foundational stuff that Freestyle Fellowship used, like the harmonizing and the yeah. The trade-offs and stuff was was straight up original, real hip hop from the beginnings. But they had they were just another level. They're like aliens to me, man. When they came out, I was like, I was just stoked, you know. And then that was just an era, and it was also our age. We were young, and it was what was happening at the time.
1: Well, to find out that you know I had that one CD, and then it was like there's this thing called the Good Life in LA, and there's like hundreds of artists in there. Maybe not as talented, but maybe
0: there was a lot. That documentary <laughs> was incredible. I
1: mean so many came out of there. Yep. Charlie Tuna. Yep. For one. I mean, who doesn't like him?
0: No, I know. I love um I love all that stuff, man. I mean, nowadays, as an older person, I don't even want to comment on a lot of the stuff, but I can't lie, man, like I still do try to hear the young people playing music. And what's happening right now at this moment, like in time in 2023 and the surrounding years is like, it's amazing to see the young kids coming back into jazz, man. Yeah. In Europe, in England, in parts of the US, like there's a, it's an underground scene and it's not just a bunch of old dudes anymore. There are people picking up instruments again and yeah. coming up with new sounds and new experimentations. And it's that's what excites me.
1: A lot of my exposure to young people's music lately has been through my daughter, mm-hmm. who just finished high school last year at McCallum, same grade as mine. Yup, same um, school. Yup. The night, um, but what I saw through her, you know, aside from hearing all the pop music and the latest rap and stuff, was a uh, bands. Good mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. Some alt rock bands, but uh, a band that came up through there was uh, the point. The point's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They put out a tape. With I think it's a records. tape even. on insect it's, records. Yeah. yeah but it's like rap a lot style beats. That they and made. they're playing live two
0: kids with, you know. Yeah. So there you go right there. No, it's really cool. And Ben Butcher Bear put that out. Yeah. Uh, They're cool. And then like, I don't know if it's Die Spits or D Spits or whatever, but they're blowing yeah. up. Kids, McCallum kids too, I think. Oh, really? Maybe I don't know. I've they're, heard that name, but I'm not sure. They're that is. age, and uh, my what's crazy is my kids are really close to me, but when it comes to music, they're just like get away from me. Yeah. Don't come to these, you know. But my my youngest listens to Black Flag and total punk music and Public Enemy, and she's way into like. The old school rap and punk, which is really crazy. I mean, that's what they heard mm-hmm. that growing up and stuff. But she's like way into that and goes to see any like Circle Jerks tour with Negative Approach when they came and Seventh she was at that. Like she's into that sort of thing, and then they both really like like Machine Girl and crazy experimental electronic stuff, which I find interesting too. Yeah, which like I want to hear those kids so on my SoundCloud when I'm going through listening to things, I'm not hearing the SoundCloud rappers because that was the worst thing that ever happened in life. But um, there's lots of crazy experimental producers and doing just weird things, weird bands, you know, and then there's jazz. There's, like, kids making really out there sounds, which I think is exciting.
1: Well, you know, just when I think, you know, everything's been done. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it a million times, you know, because I've I studied music a lot over a long course of time. I collect records, I DJ, I've written about music, and it amazes me because you can never think that because right when you think you know something, there's not just a few other things, there's a multitude of things that you haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. The, the world is giant, you know. You've you've gone into world music, I know. Oh yeah. And I stop myself from things like that. Like I enjoyed music from around the world and I used to have a huge reggae collection and, you know, but at times I try to limit myself because there's just so much. I'll just say like, let me just stick in this one little pocket and be an expert Uh at this and really know it in and out opposed to just being a jack of all trades that gets lost in a sea of different musics and styles and, You know, I want to do that. Yeah. I wish I had time for it.
0: Um, Well, you summed, I can sum myself up in a real easy statement. I know a little bit about a lot of shit. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm totally yeah, okay. Yeah, I know about Texas rap or whatever, but like
1: that's our generation, though. That's what we get I know. eye on. It's like we're we schooled on a lot of different things. We know it, to yep. the Surface, we probably can't fix a car, an air conditioner, or anything like that. Yeah, extreme, like our dads could, but um, but we know all sorts of shit a little yep. bit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know how to get there. That's about it. The uh, but yeah, I do, um it it's as bad as it can get on some levels It's also there's so much good, and that's pretty much my point is always kind of looking for the good, yeah, you know? well, you
1: know like if you're here on this earth with everything that's here for us or just here, it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be for us um and you look around and you decide that you're unhappy about it, like you're making the wrong decision, yeah. like just find something else, you know somebody's pissing you off, find somebody else that's not pissing you off. Yeah, not with them. You
0: know? Exactly, man. There's so much out there. And I mean, speaking, and just in t- record terms, like if you're a record collector, and especially if you get into like the quote unquote music business or something, and you start looking around and realizing like, who are all these people in the <laughs> whole world that put out records, man, there's, there's so, more, many. so many records of like good or bad. It does I'm not say, and I'm saying like not even just CDs. Now we're on the streaming services of everything. Like, who are all these people, man? It's infinite. You know, it's you go infinite. to, I go to record stores and I'm like, when I was in London, I was like going to, um, I'll show you some of the, the records after this, uh, you know, the flea market and different places like that. Yep. And, um, you know, we do this every weekend here. And I was like, damn, man, I'm finding some stuff that I'd never seen good or bad, you know, but I'm like, what is this? How am I, you know, like everywhere you go, like imagine, my dream would, I mean, I've heard that a lot of the records were destroyed in wars over time, but like, I want to go to Ethiopia. Oh yeah. I want to dig for records over there. I'll buy anything. And a friend of mine, a couple of friends have been like, man, there's not that much still there tapes and records wise. But I mean, like there's something, you know what I mean? I want to go to like all these places and go, I'll buy the sounds of Lithuania, whatever. I want to know what this is, like what was happening. I find that like to be really fun and exciting. And like, it's so crazy. Like, when Drake, who I actually don't hate Drake, I don't listen to him or love him, but I don't hate him necessarily. It's funny Something. that you immediately
1: have a disclaimer, though.
0: No, because I'm, I'm going to say like, um, it's so stupid that like Drake gets billions of streams when you have the choices in your pocket. A hit is a hit, okay? Not not getting not taking oh, anything yeah, away yeah. from somebody making a
1: hit, but like it's common. But people still all choose these kids. It. It's
0: like yo, you could listen to, yeah, fifty trillion. Well, he's
1: obviously They're Illuminati. There, right? So he's—I agree with that. He's cast a spell on his listeners. I agree with that. I do agree with
0: that. He did. He's in. He's in the mix. <laughs> he's talented. But he's
1: got some good songs for sure.
0: But no, he's not. He's by far. I'm not, not, not going the worst. to a
1: late night party with him though. No.
0: Well, that. But the thing about the thing that killed Drake is everybody copied him so bad as soon as it happened. Uh, yeah. Like there became a whole, he became a genre almost like Migos and Drake became like the new hip hop genre. Yep. You're either Migos or you're a Drake. For a moment. And then things opened up again and things got cooler and stuff. But like I think that's what for people like us or me hearing that. But I only used him as an example because I know he streams billions. And my thing is like can I I love when I listen to a record and Spotify gets it right. That's yeah. not often. Yeah. But like all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, who's this? A lot of times I'm like, yo, turn this off quick. (laughs) What is this? But when they get it right and you're like three or four songs in, you find out about something new like it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. with these algorithms or whatever. And you're like, damn, all this is out there.
1: Yeah. Well, we weren't satisfied. Like we had the Led Zeppelins and the ACDCs Mm -hmm. and the Van Halens, which we loved. Mm -hmm. Everybody in my neighborhood did, no matter who you were. Yeah, But you know, you had the four of their albums or whatever, and you needed to move on to something else. You, know, yeah. you can't just listen to that forever.
0: Nope. Um Van Halen, maybe. <laughs> first four of Van Halen. Only maybe. the first four.
1: Yeah. And maybe a couple cuts off 1984.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I saw them on the
1: 1984 tour at the Summit. You know what? I actually like some Van Hagar songs, too.
0: They're songs for sure. I'm not mad at it. <laughs> because I, I saw Sammy Hagar when I was a kid. And I'm not mad at them, but, uh, you know, this is this is a great direction for this podcast to go now. You can't fuck with David Lee Roth, man. David Lee Roth, oh, no. man. No. no. I, do, have you listened to the Rothcast? David Lee Roth's podcast? I have not. No, I don't think I have. Do you do cocaine? No. Me neither. I hate cocaine, but no. I think cocaine is terrible. I've never liked it, but. He does a lot. When you listen to this podcast, you might feel like you, you did a bump. Oh. No, yeah. it's nutty. <laughs> It's like you. It's like so fast. Like <laughs> I can't even explain it. But but the Avery Ross podcast is pure dope. I was watching today a it's clip hilarious. of uh,
1: Diego Maradona uh, oh, warming man. up. That's like uh, clips of him warming up before different games. Mm-hmm. And the point they were trying to say, look, he's on coke. Look at him. Oh man! But he was so masterful. Like I don't care if he was on coke or not. Yeah. The things he was doing with the ball were just. Whatever you know, yeah, same thing sure. with David Lee Roth. Like some people, you know, cocaine works for them. I guess. Well, I, might,
0: I mean, whatever he does or doesn't do, <laughs> I don't know. But I'm saying, if you listen to it, it's like, yo, this dude is not just putting on. This is, this is this, this is him, and it is like the stories he tells are hundred miles an hour, and they're amazing. Like, it's the coolest. The Roth Show. Oh, I'm sure he's got stories. It's hilarious, man, and like it's something that, like, I can't listen to it with my wife because she'd be like. What the? What is he? What is this? Why are you listening to this? What is he talking about? Because he's all non sequitur, yeah. complete non sequitur <laughs> insanity. Just going and it's him. Like he has a a partner who will chime in here and there, or maybe like look something up or whatever. But he's like, I was in the the you know the jungles of Brazil, and I <laughs> he just starts telling these stories. He's got like, He's done all that stuff.
1: I know. Yeah, he's a maniac. Yeah. But, and you know, by the time we were in high school, though, like we weren't listening to Van Halen. We were listening to, for me, like The Replacements and TSOL, mm-hmm. punk stuff, Seven Seconds, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Punk fake no and more, rap and funk, stuff. yeah. And then rap came in. It had come in, like when I first heard rap, it was uh, The Message, mm-hmm. by Melly Mel. And then I was telling someone this recently, uh, we went and saw Break
0: Wow, yeah, yeah, of course. It came that to broke, the theater no, in New Orleans. where That I changed lived. everything.
1: And yeah, that changed everything.
0: No, I talk to people all the time, <laughs> I was like, heavy metal kids were breakdancing back then. Like, yeah. everyone had a piece of cardboard out in front yeah. of the street, in the street in front of their house. Like, everyone was trying yep. after that movie. Yep. Whether, whatever you listened to or cared about, like, that was the coolest thing ever happened. And breakdancing is what broke hip-hop. Yep. And back in, uh, for me, I mean, I definitely heard Rapper's Delight. As a seven, I, was I seven. somehow
1: missed it. I or I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, remember. it was just I there. But it wasn't. I like, remember uh, the message and Planet Rock were the big two. Yeah. and then like Body Rock by Treacherous Three, I think it is.
0: Well, I always say in my neighborhood, I'm from four, Erie, like Pennsylvania. <laughs> so it was like, and I grew up amongst black and white people in my neighborhood, and it wasn't like we were getting the num- the top singles from the Bronx like day one. You know, it was, but we definitely heard like Rapper's Delight. And there were things Christmas rapping and stuff like that happened and my friends listened to it. Their parents were probably the ones listening to it and we heard that and it was all right. But I feel like at that point in time a lot more of the people around me were like I'll be sure and mm-hmm. stuff that I was not interested in at all. Like mm-hmm. the more pop or R and B stuff. So I didn't hear the deep stuff and then it was run DMC for yeah. me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm Insty sure I heard the message. And, and and all all cool that. J, run DMC, the Def Jam stuff blew up big in yeah. my high school. Public Enemy,
0: for sure. I, I think Run DMC was the one that really blew it out the water. And then when I saw Public Enemy open for the Beastie Boys, oh yeah, and Murphy's Law. But when Public Enemy came out, and uh, Flavor Flavor was like, "Y'all like hardcore music? This is hardcore rap, y'all. Hardcore rap." And I was like, "I like hardcore rap." <laughs> I was old. like about the freak. I was like, "What?" <laughs> and half the place was still sitting down. Half the half the arena was still sitting down. Like they didn't care whoever this opening group was. They wanted to see the Beastie Boys, and then, but we, we came out of there. I went. I remember going to National Record Mart and buying uh, the You're Gonna Get Yours 12 inch, and yeah. uh, waiting. And then the day I walk into the store, and the album bum rush the show is there, and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> like I was nuts for Public Enemy when I saw them. Oh yeah. Uh, rebel crazy. without
1: a pause like to me that's like a yep. calling whenever i hear that beat kick in which is yep. a james brown sample but
0: yeah it was all james brown samples probably. yeah pretty much you know.
1: um but yeah that one still gets me to this day i just hear the <clears> throat> throat> and it's like okay yep. what like i'm at attention ready oh, yeah. to go <laughs> yeah man no that was shit dude for me back then uh the the rap moment for me in high school was uh when I went to spring break in Galveston my sophomore year and like a friend of mine's parents had like a condo or something, they let us stay at and then we just spend the day going to Jamaica beach down yeah, there. Yeah. And that was the truck era, like the small truck era. Yeah. The Isuzu trooper or whatever. Um, the Suzuki samurai. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. In Houston there were like a billion of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, all that Def Jam stuff all day long. And then we were talking our ways into a, like going to college parties at night at condos in Galveston. Again, it'd just be all Def Jam rap the whole week. Yeah. And we were living, you know, we're, we were like doing the Beastie Boys version, crushing beer cans on our heads and stuff like that. But yeah. But I was like 15, and, you know, just living it up. Hell yeah. I was like, this shit is fun. So did you lived in New Orleans and Houston? Yeah. I don't know. New Orleans until I was 13. Born in New Orleans? Uh, born in Florida, Tampa. Oh, wow, okay. Uh, I I never knew it. Like My mom was going to uh, University of South Florida and mm-hmm. Tampa and had got married and had me with my dad. And uh, we moved like within a year to mm-hmm. New Orleans. So I was right. there until I was 13. Then we moved to California. You need to
0: thank your parents one more time for that. Oh, got yeah. you out of Tampa. Yeah,
1: Tampa is hell. At all. <laughs> <laughs> New Orleans, man, my sure. grandma lived near there, so I'd go and visit. Mm-hmm. And we lived in New Orleans and it'd be fun to go to the beach and everything, but mm. yeah, Tampa, whenever I tried to do something in there, never worked out.
0: Strange place.
1: But yeah, then New Orleans for twelve years, and then we moved to California for my eighth and ninth grade years and then to Houston. Mm. Where I finished up high school and then okay. came here as soon as I could.
0: Wow. So you covered some ground.
1: Yeah, I've seen some things. Yeah. yeah. Where in California when you were young? Huntington Beach. Wow. Damn. Yeah, that was not bad. No. We lived right near the beach too. So we ride our bikes. Sometimes before school, always after school. Go body surfing and boogie board. I was learning. That's and the life. I didn't quite get to, I was only there two years. I wanted to surf. I did a little, but yeah. I needed more time. When I first got there, I just got blasted. Yeah. The first day, you know, the Pacific wave. I had been to Florida and yeah. even Panama a bunch, but more on the Atlantic side. Mm-hmm. And Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Wait, like Panama the country?
1: Yeah. My, uh, my mom was born and grew up down there. Wow. In the canal zone. Okay. Damn. Uh, so, Ooh. yeah, my grandfather took a job working on the canal. Okay. Like he and my grandma came down from New York in like the early 40s, maybe late 30s. Yeah, uh, had my mom and her two brothers in Panama, so she grew up down there. And a funny thing is, my dad's family moved down there too when he was a senior in high school, mm. and they went to my mom and dad went to high school together for a year at Cristobal High School near Cologne. And uh they didn't know each other at all. Wow. So then it was like later when she was in college and he was in town in Florida and I guess through mutual friends or something, they got together and they're still married. They got Damn. married in nineteen seventy. Still to this Wow, day. man, that is cool. Yeah. So when I was a kid, uh both my grandparents lived in Panama. Damn. So I'd fly down there and get to see all that that's cool I had a summer I spent uh, like a month or so uh, one summer when I was like 11 with my grandma and one of the things she would do to keep me busy was she would drive me to Panama City because she knew I liked to play basketball and she would just drop me off at this youth center (laughs) with a bunch of Panamanian street kids and uh, we just played basketball I mean it was all cool but you know having my own daughter. <laughs> right. No way in hell I would do anything like that. Oh, no. There's
0: a lot of things we had to learn like that. I'm not doing that with my kid. <laughs> yeah. But did
1: you go to the fish market? Um, well, what do you mean?
0: Uh, Panama City has a big fish market. Oh. That was just amazing.
1: No, I don't think I've been to that. The one I liked the most was there was like an authentic Italian restaurant that we okay. would go to. I'd always get clams.
0: That's cool. Yeah, man, that's, you know, back that history of Panama and the, and the canal and the, the gateway to the world and, the, you know, the roles the U.S. played down there. It was crazy stories, but I can only imagine what it was like back then.
1: Yeah, well, my uncles tell me stories. Uh, last time when they were all together, I was talking to them, and uh, I asked one of them, like, what the best concert they had ever been to was and thought about it for a second. He was like, oh, yeah, me and my brother, we went and saw Santana. <laughs> In Panama City in 72, I think he said it was.
0: That would have been wild. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That would have been wild, wild, wild.
1: Damn. And you mentioned
0: Clark Field earlier. Didn't, was, was your blog called Clark Field or something? Oh, you know, I've something. used it as a DJ name. DJ name, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've used names. Uh, yeah. And Harvey like canal. Harvey
1: Canal. That was in New Orleans where I grew up on the West Bank. It was like the canal right next to my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, And then Clark Fields, I used to play basketball there, but I also got a job there Mm -hmm. and worked there for a few years, basically just turning the lights on and off. Dope. Um,
0: Yeah. If you go to the Harvey Canal YouTube channel, you're going to hear some real Austin hip hop history and and other things, but there's some stuff on there.
1: (laughs) The one I I was happy to show you the most was uh, the DJ Dare with Norwood Freestyle which one was Norwood? That's when I was listening and I was trying to remember who that was. That's when there was like this little uh, house party era going on. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you remember a, a DJ, a, a guy named Eric who, who I think he moved to Arizona from here. He might've been from maybe. Yeah. I can't think of his DJ name, but he had like a little crew of DJs and they would throw parties kind of all over town and pretty much the same people would show up mm. Um and a lot of people that didn't really make it to the next era. The only one that I remember that was really consistent was uh, Tiger Lou, Larry. Who's am uh, not sure. He's married to DJ Mahalani. Well, I know who she is, yeah. Yeah. He used to uh, freestyle. Like okay. a lot of people used to freestyle. Yeah, of course. Um,
0: but my hip-hop time but, here but was m- more limited. Yeah. Like more the foundation guys and X-Men and Soup and Snoopy and them. That was where I yeah. came in. Yeah.
1: Well, me too. To a degree. So this was like at the same time. And randomly seeing
0: somebody with Bad Mother Goose, like Cooley Girls and, no- yeah. and Casanova and them. That was like my intro to
1: Austin. Norwood was a guy from Houston, and he would come up. And uh, do you remember Terry, that girl? Yes. You do. Yes, Terry. He was friends with her. Did Terry do parties? Um, She would go to parties. She wound up moving with my friend Jesse up to Seattle.
0: Um, Reddish brown hair. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. But somehow she and Norwood were buddies or lovers or I don't know what, but um, he would come up and he was like just the best. He would just sun the parties all the time. And, you know, I don't know if it was like the best MCs in Austin were at these parties necessarily, but there were some decent ones and he was like the king. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I recorded one night. We had a party at our house and Dare and I were DJing and I had a nice clip of Norwood just going off. He made a whole song. That what you sent
0: me was from a party at your house? Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Yeah. Dare is like flipping two copies, I think, of the Diggable diggable Mm -hmm. Planets. And uh, yeah, it's really good for a house party. (laughs) Are you still in touch with Dare? No. I lived with him, him. with him for a little bit, and he had the best record collection I've been around mm-hmm. that close to. At least back then, I can imagine what he has now.
0: Did he go to Boston?
1: I think so, Something yeah. like that. He was in the film, too. Okay. So I think he went in that direction.
0: Man. Well, those were the days. Those were. What are you up to these days? Um, you DJ still?
1: Yeah, you know. I DJ every now and then and I've been writing a little bit lately too. I was inspired by B-Boy City, actually. I'm really proud of those guys. Yeah. They're doing it after all these years and doing it on their own more or less in that they haven't, you know, they've had sponsorships mm-hmm. you know, Red Bull or whoever else but they've st- strummed those up themselves. That's from hard work. They don't really have like the city apparatus behind them. I don't know that Look, man, that's the mayor's giving them a day or.
0: Well, B-Boy maybe. City, man, I will say this. I've had moments where I'm like, I didn't get to go this year. I wasn't here. But I'm like, why are they not promoting? What is going on, man? This is this is like a big deal for Austin. And it's just like, man, they got their world. People know. if You know, yeah. you know. And B-Boy yeah. City is not a failure. Like, they are killing it for years and years and years. And no. I'd be like, why am I not hearing more about B-Boy City and the mainstream? Right. Because it didn't need it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's such a great story. Who doesn't, you know, kids love it. Yeah, They have a lot of like uh, workshops and things like that and kids just eat it up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if it's something that kids love and it's positive and, you know, that's just one aspect of it. Plus you have the art of it to begin with the adults dancing, Mm -hmm. um, the acrobatics and the precision and skill, like then all the work they put into it, like it's really something to see. And no one, you know, when someone sees you, you could bring your grandma and she'll be a Like, oh, my God, look at that guy. Oh, yeah. Look at that girl. Um, but somehow, you know, it's not mainstream. After all these years, you yeah. know, breakdancing had its little mainstream thing in the 80s. And it's been underground ever since.
0: Yeah, it's not empty, though. There's people. There's lots of people that go and they love it. And it's so dope. It's such an organic, real thing that still exists within our hip hop culture. Yeah.
1: But I've been, uh, you know, I'm into the music. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really interested in like the hundred songs that are the best hundred breakdancing songs. That I've you noticed you posting pop-
0: them on your Instagram and stuff too and writing about them.
1: Yeah. Cause you know, I've DJed for a long time and I've DJed a lot of parties, a lot of casual parties where you're playing, you know, slower paced stuff and it's fine. Um, but I love the idea of like, you have the pressure of, these people want to spin on their backs and their heads and do all these, you know, dance moves. And if you don't bring the music, you're messing it up. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like a high pressure gig. And I really have respect for those DJs that that pull that off so well. You know, and guys like uh, Silent Rob here in town, mm-hmm. he's done a great job. And uh, DJ Element that's been doing it. Oh, yeah. he comes from Arizona. He's amazing. Uh, Boogie Beats was really good. I think he's from Lubbock maybe. Okay. Um but I just love seeing the DJs listening to him and the dancing and you know they had the graffiti aspect going. i mm-hmm. I'm in the kids so I love the outreach they they did a museum thing this time with the history. I learned all sorts of stuff about break dancers in Austin going back to the uh, late 70s. Mm-hmm. You know? I talked to this guy Eric Castillo. And, uh, you know, Charlie Nafis managed a breakdance crew in the early 80s here. Hmm. I'm forgetting the name right now. Um, It's like something like Stay Fresh or something like that. Um, But I never knew that until like two weeks ago. Damn, I never knew. He also had something they had at the museum was a big article that he wrote in the Chronicle on breakdancing that was like '84 or Man. something like that. That's dope. Yeah, so it's funny. Like when I put rappers on the cover of the, I didn't put them like a, you do.
0: You're a big part of it. I
1: helped make that happen. A lot of people are like, "This has never happened before," you know. And I kind of believe the hype a little bit. And then I remember I found some chronicles with the like the Keir Worthy era. Yeah, and I was like, wait, I wasn't the first. They were doing some stuff. And then, you know, it took, you know, that was 10 years ago when I saw that. And now, like, just two weeks ago, I learned, oh, wow. It goes Mm -hmm. way, way farther back than that. That's true. And I'm glad for that. Like, I never claimed to be the first. I
0: I love that the Chronicle has given so many covers in the last four, five, six, seven years, whatever, to to local artists and people who are doing it. and It's it's just so cool to see.
1: Yep, As their pages diminish. Uh. It they're makes they're it getting sad. everybody on. They need to put Romeo on there, though. Yeah.
0: I mean, it still exists, though. The Chronicle is existing and happening. And like even bigger cities, Houston doesn't have the Houston Press anymore. Dallas, I think, oh, yeah, just it's across the board. It just sucks. It's everywhere. Even like,
1: the state, you know, the major newspapers are nothing now, too. You know who
0: has good alt-weeklies? Legal weed states. Interesting. Marinate on that. They advertise. Yeah. Legal weed saved... A lot of things, man. Like Years ago, as I was watching the Houston press deplete and all that, and Westward and Denver was, you know, and Denver was, I mean, Colorado was one of the few Mm -hmm. uh, states. It might have been, were they the first? They were the first recreational, right? It seems
1: like it was. Yeah, I think so.
0: The first, like, straight-up recreational. And um, Houston would always have a Houston press-sponsored, like, takeover downtown and all the local bands played. And it was, like, it was, like... a of 1% of what a South by Southwest would be if even 0.1%. But it was kind of cool. You went down and your friends were all playing and it was, you can go in and out of the bars for free and it was just a local, local thing. And it was cool. Yeah. I went out to Denver and their version of it was like Diplo and the biggest rock band in the world and whoever, and like this in the paper was like an inch thick. Mm. And I was looking at it like the same company, Village Voice Media. And the Westword was like killing it, and it was all weed ads. There you go.
1: My and favorite, weed sponsoring the music events. My favorite alt—I don't know if it's weekly or monthly. Um, lately, Gulf Coast saltwater fishing <laughs> newspapers. <laughs> I pick it up sometimes <laughs>
0: when I see it. And I don't mind.
1: They have all the ads in there too. You, you're to the
0: You'll drive down and just go fishing though. Won't you? Oh yeah, that's yeah, your yeah. thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'll go boogie boarding too if. I can never catch the waves. That's always hard.
0: We were actually going to go to Corpus this week, and then some other things came up.
1: Yeah. I love the beach.
0: See DJ dust. Yeah. Well, man, I certainly appreciate you coming down, talking to me, and getting on Talk So Real. Hell yeah. You know, do it anytime. Yeah. I yeah. enjoy it. I probably have more stories. We definitely have more stories, man. I know uh, I, ain't, I ain't Joe Rogan. Uh, no, I mean, like. No, I'm saying like I, my policy on this show is like, well, it can go longer a little bit here and there, but like I've had, you know, like Willie D has been on Joe Rogan. He's my friend. Yeah, I have plenty of interest in listening to a, him talk to Willie D. I am making it a three hours. It's too long. I can't, I've never listened to a three hour podcast long. in my life. Even people I'm like really interested in. I'm like, I'm going to go back to that. I'll fall asleep.
1: As yeah. That happens. I don't get I mean, it. I got like maybe 15 minutes in me and then, yeah I'm asleep, and then I have to like rewind back and yeah exactly. <laughs> to watch it that. later, so
0: I like that hour in the mix somewhere in that that realm I think works out good for our, good to me our attention spans and things but like you can come back any anytime man there ain't ain't no rules on talk so real with Masson's out man we're gonna try to keep it uh trying to be more consistent at least I like it
1: I've been listening
0: man thank you, trying to get the you know. Stay, keep my equipment with me wherever I'm at and get with my people. I mean, it's like I said, this is the the, the podcast where I talk to my friends. You're my friend, man. I don't need Drake. Nah. No. I don't need none of that shit. Y'all talk to Drake.
1: Hopefully we're entertaining to a certain degree. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> I mean, we, know, we got a niche market. And I don't have to like
1: worship <laughs> Satan to have that appeal. No. Nor do any of us. No, we didn't
0: have to sell our souls to get on talk so real. <laughs> I got to put my SoundCloud on clean with no regrets yep. <laughs> i ain't worried about it man i definitely appreciate you robert gabriel if people want to find you online or like check out what you've been posting on instagram like those sort of things like the talking about the old records and stuff where can they find you
1: uh it's, if you want them to yeah on instagram <laughs> it's at robbery with two l's r-o-b-r-i-e-l-l-i yep there you go
0: yep and uh Man, I suggest you check it out. Lots of information, cool music.
1: I am DJing cool at uh, Cavalier Halloween night. In Austin, Cavalier? Yep, it's on uh, right off of East 7th. What's that called? I forget the name of the street right now, but um, Cavalier is a nice little club. All right. Very nice people.
0: Man, I will not be here on Halloween, but I definitely will come one of these nights, man, for sure. Thank you so much, my brother. And we will talk again. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Talk So Real. Matt out, as always, tell a friend to tell a friend.